Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Today, I think you told me we're doing some taboo stuff here today. <laughs> I'm interested. Tell, you know, Okay, so I've had questions in my head for the better part of the year, but I'm afraid to voice them for hurting others or judging them and ultimately just loss of family and friends with taboo topics. I'm thankful and fortunate to have you, my partner, because for the most part, I can speak my truth without having you be angry or resentful. Well, I'm plenty angry and plenty resentful. <laughs> you just don't show me. I just do my work with it. But I mean, there's no way not to get angry and resentful. Jeez. Right. Well, the fact is you are human. So you do have feelings of hurt and uh, there's just no way of skirting around that. Yeah. And um, you have feelings of hurt and also rejection ultimately when it comes to marriage and sex. And I haven't even given the topic, but I just did right there. So even though I'm old enough and wise enough to know no matter what a person is going through or thinking, there are millions of others who experience the same. And I know with this one, I feel like I'm the only one because when I discuss with my friends or when I search the internet, I think it's just such a taboo topic or with my friends, it's opening up Pandora's box and nobody wants to talk about it with me. And uh, when I research online, I feel like I get these manufactured answers and I just don't feel like I'm getting the real thing. It's like step one, do this with your partner. Step two, do this. And again, I still haven't revealed what our topic is. The topic today is marriage and sex, which I know is very vague. It doesn't really narrow it down, but I'm trying to get to the bottom of does it get old with people? What do they do to keep it alive? Do people live by rules of religion and are they govern and do they live by rules of religion and the rules of marriage and just the teachings in general from society instead of people daring to think with their hearts what I'm wondering. I mean, as you're saying this and I'm just kind of getting caught up to speed as you're saying mm-hmm. it, but the first thing that comes to mind is over the last 10 months and we've been going through stuff that we've documented already, you've been sitting there and being like, how much is natural? Like this a woman goes into middle age and is this even normal for a woman to maintain certain things? And Or a man. I've spoken to women who are like, yeah, and we had stopped having sex and I need sex. So right. I mean, it goes both ways. Right. But how do you make that distinction? How do you figure out, how do you find that North Star of knowing, am I just supposed to be listening to my body here or is there something wrong or right. is there something that over the years our relationship has slowly gotten dulled out or is it that we don't have a good relationship or it just needs to be renewed? It's so hard. It's not. I look at my parents. I look at your parents. I've been married for 60 years and in my head I'm thinking, I don't know. Can it still be alive or have they just been, what are those string puppets called? The marionettes? Have they been marionetted by the rules of marriage or the rules of 
religion to get them through, maybe not even to just kind of muscle through, or do they legitimately, do they still have fire and spice? I don't know. I I find that hard to believe. We had a conversation recently and you've been thinking about this lately, like maybe it's just not natural to maintain fire and spice, Right. right? Maybe fire and spice is there for human beings and for animals to make babies. And then it goes away once you're done making babies. And I think you're saying this to kind of rationalize where you've been this year. I'm just asking. But the way I see it is it's just about renewal, right? Everything in life is going in cycles and everything can renew. And there's such every spring, right? You look around and you see these budding, this fresh, light green leaves coming on trees that are decades and decades old. Right. It doesn't mean just because they're decades and decades old, they can't have that new, fresh, hopeful spring feeling. And I think the same is true for any relationship. It can do that even though the root system is old. But if you don't take the time to renew your cycles, if you don't take the time to do that, you're going to start looking around and being like, oh, well, this is just bad now. This just doesn't serve me. This doesn't offer anything, but not necessarily doing the work. How do you renew that cycle? Well, then that's why I think today's guest we have here, and I'll introduce her now. I think we even have her on. So today we'll be talking with Annette Ross. I am honored to have her on here today. I love Annette like family. An old friend. It goes even beyond. It does. So Annette is amazingly the mother of five daughters. Five Five daughters. daughters. We think we're going (laughs) strong with three daughters. Like, nah, try five. And her daughters are ranging from nine to 25. So what's cool is she picks up where we end. You know, our oldest is nine. Our youngest is nine. And it ranges through all of the teenage years. They were born right around the same time, the two nine-year-olds too. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's even something we want to talk with Annette about. We'll parse it into a different segment of dealing with teenage daughters. But for now, she's the author of a book, and that's the author of a book called Where Fairy Tales Go, which is a memoir about marriage, family, and life after a spinal cord injury, which is a story unto itself for Annette. Annette was a graduate of Sarah Lawrence College, where she concentrated her studies in religion and ethics. And I know when I worked a lot with Annette back in the day, so many amazing conversations about religion and Mm -hmm. ethics and life and how to navigate through. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Mm -hmm. She uh, was a visiting scholar at Hastings Center for Bioethics, where she explored the broad subject of hope and medicine. And from 2011 to 2014, Annette hosted the program Common Ground for Sylvia Global Media Network. And since writing Where Fairy Tales Go in 2016, she's been speaking to medical students across the country about disparities in healthcare for people who live with disability. She's an ambassador for Wings of Life and is featured in their documentary, Any One of Us, which currently streams on HBO. Annette lives in San Diego with her husband, Bill, who we love, and five daughters. So, Annette, are you here with us now? I am here with you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. And it's great to hear your voice. (laughs) I like how you said old friend. (laughs) They're old, old, yes. You're old. You're finally older than us. Usually we're the oldest ones in our pack. Our friends are so much younger. So it's nice in that to have somebody yeah. who's older. At least you had your kids at an age where you had some energy. We're, we're basically just... Not the last one, right? Yeah, right. Georgia at 46 just gave the age away. Yeah, old, old friend. Well, I feel I can have this conversation with both of you because you both have helped me so much. So a lot of what I'm going to give, I feel like it's come from two very wise people who put themselves into me and I'm going to spit it right back out. (laughs) (laughs) I have some questions for you. 
Here Absolutely. we go. Here's where it gets yeah, good. Yeah, here's where it gets good, I guess. <laughs> so the first question I have, and maybe this will lead into a life of its own, I don't know, but there are so many people who struggle with sex with their partners. So many people that I talk to, I already know. I can look at them when I meet them or when I start talking to them, and I almost know the time frame that they haven't had sex. So sometimes it's months and sometimes it's even years. So what's your initial reaction to this? If someone were to say to you, if a friend were to say to you, Annette, we haven't had sex in three years. What's your reaction? I don't want to say advice, but what are your words to your friend? No, uh uh-oh. As soon as I read that question, I said, "Uh uh-oh. A friend of mine recently just actually was having this conversation with me. She and her husband have been living together. Bill and I have been married 28 years now. So I was, when she told me that it's been years, I had to gasp, that's not good. (laughs) My automatic is, (laughs) what's going on? I think that that can be, and maybe, Laura, I think you said something earlier when you introduced the subject. I mean, we're inundated with sexuality all around us, the way it's presented in magazines, the way it's presented online, the images that are always in front of us always seem to have to be sexual in nature, I feel like. Yes. And I think while it's over-sexed out in the world, it's really under-sexed in the bedroom. Yes. And I think that that is really problematic. I mean, you sort of said that when you first were talking about the subject. I think, so I don't want to say, I don't think I know better than anybody else about this topic. I can give you what I think has worked in my marriage and in our relationship. And I think with, unless two people agree to not be intimate in that way, it's really problematic. And actually, I would just speak to my friend who said two couple years of heaven as sex. They're not happy with one another right now. It drives me. And Bill and I can both be very unhappy with each other and having sex. I don't know why that is. But to answer your question. Share your secrets. uh, (laughs) I've been thinking about it a lot. I do think there's many pieces to that, Adam. But for somehow that feeling of when I met Bill and had that immense attraction to him, for me, that's something that really hasn't changed and wavered. Even through having babies, although then there's a period of time after you have children, sort of not having sex and you're like, all of your focus is on nurturing that new life. Even in those times when I didn't feel like as much of that desire, I always had so much love for him and knowing that he needed that from me, I was able to like offer that. And I don't think he felt like, oh, she's not into it. I think he felt like, I think sometimes I would even like frame it, like going to take care of me tonight, that kind of thing. Because I felt like that was just so important for him to feel that for me. And he needs that more physically at different times than I've needed it. And now I don't know what to say, except we went to Connecticut last fall. And it's the first time we've been there. First time we've been away, actually, from Georgia. And she's nine now. But we haven't been away, the two of us, in a while. And we basically rented this star. We stayed in this darling little place, Adam and, and Laura. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you guys should go up there called Grey Barn. I feel like besides going to the wedding that we were there for someone else's wedding, we were like, make it all weekend. And it was so much fun. And that's really when Bill and I are alone. That's sort of like our thing. Like we are, we will sometimes go to school. No one's in the house. And we like jump back into bed. I don't know. That sounds weird, probably. Sounds unusual. Sounds amazing. um, (laughs) Not to sound creepy, but it sounds. (laughs) I've taken that for granted until I realized, or I thought everyone was sort of like that until I realized perhaps not. But for us, spending those days or having a day when we spend the day or the afternoon in bed together before everybody comes home from school, it's very like nourishing of our relationship and very like, I don't know, it gives you like that fuel you need. I think of sex as like, talk about something about renewal, Adam. It is that for both of us. The two people have to sort of be on that same wavelength for that to be the case. I love, Annette, you kind of touch upon 
coming together here where I think it's beautiful when someone, when one partner can be patient with another if they're not in a certain space and to say, hey, I don't want to pressure you. Like, I get it. You're not in a space where the other one's like, okay, cool. Thank you. By the same token, I know that you're going through something and I want to show up for you. And that ability to kind of both go back and forth, being there for each other, if you can do that in the short form, that's what makes a relationship work. Mm. If it has to go on for extended periods where one person's like, I'm not in one the mood. One person's giving or seeing. Right. right. One person's just constantly <laughs> holding that space and the other's just taking it because that's where they're at, but they're not coming back, understanding the other one's needs that aren't getting met. That's where I think a lot goes in. And you talk to a lot of couples and it, Laura, we're part of this group where it starts leading to resentment and that's where the passive aggressive comes in. And all of a sudden it becomes a much bigger issue than it even necessarily had to be. Right. And then I have a question for yeah. you. Laura, now that I'm in my fifties, that thought is gone. It may never, <laughs> no, it will return, but go ahead. What are we going to ask? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's into the ether it's in space but it will like sort of like hit the clouds and come back down re-enter reflective sorry. capacity I'm so sorry <laughs> Well, my first thought yeah. is when you're saying that just personally, I could not imagine, but this is a personality trait. I couldn't imagine laying in bed all day. I would literally go crazy. But it's not laying in bed all day. When Annette and Bill get back into bed, they're not sitting there <laughs> twiddling know. their thoughts. No, I'm not saying that. I just, I would feel like, oh my God, my day is passing by and I didn't get anything done. I know that's a problem. I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want the look from you and I don't want the response from you. But that's just, when you were saying, I was like, it gave me agita. I was like, ah, I wouldn't get anything done in a day. And I mean, I have a problem watching movies. I have a problem watching TV. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing. We have like a little, we love, like we went through this like foreign film. We still do. We love foreign films. And so we usually pick out one that we really like. And we decided we're going to watch. We jump back in the bed and then we watch the movie. But one thing leads to another and all of a sudden, but it, honestly, it never feels like a wasted day. I honestly can't think of anything more fun than that. <laughs> like less wasted. So it's like, to me, it feels like the best way I could spend a day. Because you're connecting, um, right? And you reconnect and you reestablish that, those buds that then take you forth into the other stuff you're doing, right? I just feel like what is more lovely than being naked in bed with your husband? I just can't imagine anything that I would delight in more. Than do you do doing that. counseling? And can I set you up with Laura? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like I feel when Bill sort of will give me that look, like want to go back out of the bedroom. Maybe he'll think of it before I will. Because I'll get caught up in all the things that I know I need. I do get caught up in that. So I can be resistant sometimes. Like, oh, I've got these phone calls to do for the school board. And there's a bum thread at the school. And my phone is going. Then I just say, how can any of that be more important than what I have with him? Okay. So I just turn the phone over, plug it in, and ignore it for a few hours. So, and I just forget about all of that. And I only think about two of us. First of all, about him. Adam is shaking his head no. And now he's giving the living the best life, arms up in the air right it's now with you. But, but hang on. So for the two of you, I think this comes down in the three of us, but it comes down to a love language, first of all, I think, where you say laying in bed or spending that initial time, that intimacy, that connection can look a different way. And so maybe to what? you, watching a movie or connecting in bed, whatever, could look different and it could be going out and getting a drink and just catching up. The million things of connection, that beginning intimacy, and you need to find the common ground. I mean, you've read The Five Love Languages, obviously, it's yes. what you're kind of talking about. And a main point in that book, The Five Love Languages, is learn your partner's love language and realize it's not 
your job to love them the way you want to be loved, but to love them the way they like being loved. And it might feel weird to you and it might be off for you or whatever it is, but that's how you create that ongoing energetic exchange. Couldn't you also find a common ground? I mean, if you can go back and forth, you say, hey, I'll meet you in yours and you meet me in mine. I mean, why triangulate and create a third one? It's like, oh, well, you like physical touch and I like time spent. Well, let's do material gifts. Like why? Neither of us even like that. But if we like two different ones, let's go back and forth. That would make sense, wouldn't it? You too. And that you're the wrong guest. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess, no, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that, Laura, like, this is so not about, just like when you began the conversation, Laura, this is definitely not one of those things where there's a right answer. Mm -hmm. I think really what's important is there is some better roads than others. I mean, you can say, I don't think that all relationships, let's say, are created equal. Just like all parenting is not created equal. Right. I mean, there's ways to discipline your children. Some definitely are better than others. In relationships, I think, obviously, that's for as many different kinds of people. There are different kinds of relationships. I think what, I guess, love language is something I don't really know that much about. Maybe it's something I should know about. But I would just say it sounds like it's just two people being communicating where, like, you understand what their needs are and you, I don't know, I guess I don't overthink this, this part of it for Bill and I, and we've had plenty of problems. I have a lot of love for him and love for me is that active voice. It's like, it's that devotion. It's that unconditional peace that's showing up. It's in the things that I do every single day, like cooking for the family and cleaning up and finding the missing socks and all of those little things that I do and the ways that I try to support the family financially and all these things that Bill and I do together. But then there is just a piece of it, that T and I, but good for us, thankfully, we both had that chemistry piece of it pretty equal, only at different times. And by the way, I will bring up something highly personal, but it did affect us. When he went through his Vicodin addiction, he was the one that wasn't really as active in the physical way. And I remember that I almost felt kind of ashamed. That sense of rejection of him not wanting me during that time the way he used to, because there was a way that we always sort of were together. That I was I can't imagine that that's how he must have felt at different times and maybe I wasn't as jumping and full of desire because I had again a million things in my head that I was putting at the forefront. And I feel like really the big thing that changed for us is when he was really, really sick in twenty nineteen and then he recovered from that illness. I think we both just really got on the same page. We've always sort of through our marriage had pretty regular like, I mean, us going for a week without sex was like, what's up with that? Like, that would be strange. That would be like, spend a whole week. But that's always sort of been. So then for us, then we gauge it on like, wow, it feels like a long time since we've like, I don't know, Laura, we've had, <laughs> we just, that exchange for us is not just, and you sort of talk about this in some of the other questions that I thought about, is not just biological. Yes, of course, there's a physical component to it, obviously. But there's just that much higher level for me. That is like, to me, sex is a sacred, I hold it in the highest realm, that union between two people, which is probably why I can get naked in bed with Bill and be completely intertwined with him. And that to me is like the most vulnerable, the closest, the most beautiful exchange that I can have with him not just the biological piece. Let me ask you something. Is there, in the times where you did not, so say when you had your babies or when the babies were babies and you were exhausted and trying to just keep up with life, and did you ever feel like there was something that was a glue for you that no matter how exhausted, at least for me, sometimes at the end of a day, in a, like a crazy day where everybody needs you, just like that, they need you for everything. So at the end of the day, the last thing you want is for your husband to need you. 
to me, at those points, sex always seemed like an ultra marathon. Why would I want to run an ultra marathon right now? I am exhausted. This is the last thing I would want to do. But has there been a glue for you that in those times of total and utter exhaustion that propelled you forward into sex and intimacy? I guess I'm skirting around it. Do you feel like you're Catholic? So do you feel yeah. like your religion has the kind of like the rules of the way of marriage? You feel like your Catholic religion has kept you in the game at the times of when it was the last thing you felt like doing, both marriage you and know, sex? To my commit- well, sure. I mean, definitely. I would definitely say that my strong foundation in religion has kept me completely committed and devoted to my marriage and my family, 1,000%. And I can't see that. I very rarely can see, Laura, and I think this is like a really big problem today, that the grass is greener somewhere else. I mean, I've seen many marriages have a second marriage and that failed too. Because that perfection does not really exist in another being. It's going to marry another like version of yourself. It's going to be this piece of it that feels like it's a bit of a compromise. And I don't really think that compromise is a bad thing. Although recently when Bill was in the hospital, just like a couple weeks ago he was in the hospital, and I was in there with him in the emergency room, it was around our anniversary, and our 20th anniversary, and the guy who was drawing his blood said, so he's been married 28 years. Oh my goodness, how do you do that? What's the secret? And Bill said, compromise. And I shot him a look. So I had to rethink what I'm saying about compromise. I said, compromise? It wasn't like lasting and enduring love. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. I was like, you just said compromise. I mean, when I knew that he was fine, he only had pneumonia again. I knew he was going to pull through. I had a conversation with him about that. I'm like, do you really think that that sounded very nice when you said compromise? A, I was sick, but B, let's just talk about that <laughs> first. Break, <laughs> like compromise. So I have to laugh at myself even when I use the word compromise and how it sounds, because it always sounds like that means you're giving something up. But actually, you're not giving something up. You're giving something to the other person. And that's probably what my faith helped me look at it from that viewpoint. I'm always thinking of the kind of person I will hope to be or that I'm working towards. And that takes a lot of, I think I have pretty high standards because I have like my dad, I'm always trying to emulate. He's so full of giving and love. So Laura, when you're like you, not you personally, but when you, like when I was, when you're exhausted as a mom and as a person, and I definitely have said to Bill, are you literally going to give me one more thing to do tonight? Because I think I'm about to die. I'm so done with this day uh-huh. and I must sleep. And then he'll be like, that really hurt me the way you said that. This is one more thing you have to do. And then I'm like, wow. Then I always think like, have I ever regretted like putting that aside and putting the day aside and just focusing on him and then having that time we have together? I've ever thought, okay, I'm just so glad that's over. And for me, I honestly can't think of one time I felt that way after. There's definitely times before we've had intimacy when I thought what I just said, you're giving me one more thing to do. I can't believe you don't notice how exhausted I am and how on the phone all day with yelling and screaming parents and the children and the girls and their problems. And I can't believe like you need something else from this like depleted cell of a human being. And he's looking at me like, what, you don't want to stay up for two more hours? And like, so a lot of times I'll say, you know what? Okay, I can stay up with you. I just need to be in bed for a few minutes without doing anything. For I still need that time still to just like let the day be away, have space between the day and then he and I and our time together. And then usually I can get into a better, put that amorous side of yourself somewhere else. And 
I can find that person pretty easily, but I sometimes need time to do it. Like I said, I've never once felt like, so glad well that's done or oh, I don't want to. Now I will say sometimes that I'm not like maybe up for an all nighter and we've done that. Literally, Laura stayed up all night, maybe not the whole time having sex, but just talking and then having sex and talking some more. Maybe we have sex again and then we're like, all of a sudden we look at the clock and it's like four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, my day tomorrow is done. <laughs> but I'm always so glad because no, I mean, and I look physically like I have the circles under my eyes. I'm that tired. But what I learned about Bill in that time and what we had together in that time and we end up talking inevitably about, I don't know, things from his childhood or things that I'm thinking about, things that aren't really of the present moment in time and the problems of today, maybe a dream he had or something he felt when he was a little kid. Or There's always just something new. What's amazing to me about marriage, actually, is the privilege of getting to know someone well who is also like yourself, always changing, right? So you think you know everything about somebody, but you absolutely do not. I love everything you're saying, Annette. And one thing it makes me think of is we're talking about today, marriage and sex. And we always try to have, figure out like the name of the podcast, Magic Seeds, like what's the magic seed here for people? And it's so easy to get down into the details of like how many times a week you're having sex or this or that. And it's like, oh, I don't want to have, there's no right or wrong answer there. But I think the magic seed, and you're kind of pointing us in the direction here, it's really about a connection and continuing to interweave your life together. And in that sense, there's a lot of people that come to me, come to Laura, that we see professionally that always say, I don't have time to work out or I don't have time to prepare meals. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have to, anything. You and I will look at them and be like, listen, make the time for those things if they're a priority. And then you figure out what you need to do around that to make the rest of your life work. And in that same sense, if intimacy and connecting. And if that's a love language, right? And so if you have to use two love languages because two people have two different love languages, then okay. Then, But if that's a priority to continue to connect that way, then you say, okay, how do we make sure we put this in? And if we do put it in, like you're saying, Laura, I'm already exhausted. And like you're saying, well, I am exhausted, but if I do it, then what do I need to change in my day so that I can continue to make space for that? Because I'm giving importance to that, to connecting. Because without the connection, we start losing the foundation for even what we're building, what we came together to build anyway. And in that sense, once you start compromising and neglecting certain things because they're not essentials, right? It's not essential to work out every day to live. It's not an essential to eat healthy every day to live. But if you stop doing it, the foundation starts cracking. And if you stop tending to a marriage, because understandably so, you have a million things to do, you're overextended, you're exhausted. But if you stop committing to that foundation, it starts to crumble. But you also have to make sure that you are staying true to your wants and your needs and your desires when it comes down to sex. And just, I know you said in the beginning of the show, and um, I have yet to have come across, I know you work with a lot of females. I do too. But I have yet to come across a female who is the one who says, I hang on, I know they're out there with 8 billion people. Of course, <laughs> they're out there. Let's just say for the most part, it's the men who have a higher need, want and desire for sex. Hold on. Okay, I but let's just make a distinction. A but let's make a distinction because Annette made a great distinction that it's not just the biological need for sex. It's I the know. need to connect exactly. with your partner. I'm getting to that. Okay. So for me, my wants and needs and desires is still intimacy, but it's a different kind of intimacy. It's that quality time and making sure that 
that both of them are tended to, but I think in the process, so much resentment over time because you have a quote unquote biological need. And then I don't really think that quality time is a biological need, but it is a need. No, I mean, on a it's soul a, level. No, it's a desire for me to have quality time and connect with you before I have that level of intimacy. And over the years, when you have kids and you have work and you have everything that is in between, just life in general, the quality time goes down. And then as a result, the sex goes down. So, but like Annette saying that you had make that time. If you came to me and said, Adam, and you have before, and where you're like, Adam, I need more quality time. And, you know, I'm saying, hey, I need more sex and intimacy. And you're saying, hey, I need more quality time. Okay, cool. What we've come to is a place that I don't know any marriage with children that doesn't get to this place where it's like, oh, right. we're not meeting each other's needs because we're pulled in a million different directions. Right. So, but then that's where it comes in where I think Annette is making the really poignant case here where the real magic seed is, do you still want to build something together? And if that's the point, if Annette yes, uses right. her religion to keep her on track or you use spirituality or whatever it is, if there's something in you that says, I want to go through this so we grow from this, right. then you say, okay, how do we do this? And even though sometimes it takes away a little bit of the spontaneity, we have a very busy lifestyle. And you talk to anyone in their 40s with children and it doesn't matter, 40s, 50s, 30s, there's so much going on that you kind of sometimes have to be like, hey, listen, Laura, you want time spent. Sundays are an ideal day for us to, as a family, go down to the lake and take a walk. Let's plan it. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, that's not spontaneous. It's like, okay, we did it. And once we're doing it, it's always awesome. And by the same token, you've said, and I think like, just like Annette said, after she has sex, she's never like, oh, I'm so upset I did it. It's like, glad I did. And there was a connection. As long as once you can kind of set the time for it, because it is important to want to grow, then if you're connecting from that, that's the point. And if you're not wanting to build something, then of course you're going to resent someone because you're like, I don't want to build something with you. So why would I want to be devoting time? I'm already tired. And then you would start resenting it. So the question really is, is what's important? And when it comes down or, to marriage and sex, that's what it is. Is it important to build something with your partner or are you checked out and you don't want to build something with your partner? And what is your glue? Like, what are the different kinds of glues? I think I wonder that all the time too. I look at a couple and I think, what's their glue? I look at a family and I think, what's their glue? Like, or who is their glue? A lot of times it's the mom who's the glue. The mom kind of checks out. There's no more glue in the family, but what is your glue? What is the thing that keeps you together? What's your... Right. Is it laughter and mm -hmm. playing? Is it... Identifying that. Right. Annette, what do you think for your family? What's the glue for your family? I would say... Annette, <laughs> Annette is the glue. glue. Yes, for sure. No, no, no. You are the glue. <laughs> You're answering. The girls always actually, and on Mother's Day cards, this year all said that very sweet for them to say you're the glue that holds this family together and that was even though there's a lot of conflict between all of us at times or between them and then between all of us but I wanted to say something that I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie City of Angels with Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage and in it he's an angel and when he's taking people leaving taking them and they've died and he's taking them to the next place wherever that is he asks them what are you going to miss most and like the little boy will say maybe ice cream or my stuffed animals or whatever. It's always very something sort of sweet or profound. I don't know why I always thought that line is so fascinating when I think like, well, what would I say? What I miss the most? And I really think it would be sex. I think that, I mean, I could say a flower or something that I think is beauty in nature, but I think 
somehow it's not might be the difference. It's not the same for biology. As a state sex in that you are connecting with another human being at the deepest, most intimate way that brings so powerful that actually can make new life. I think that all of those experiences that I've had with Bill over the years where we've just been together in that way in that state of complete vulnerability and I think that word vulnerability gets sort of overused today for some reason but it really is vulnerable when you're with someone and that is you know that has such trust that bond is so I think that that has really been made me who I am. I think it's made Bill who he is and that's really sustained us at our core and I'm sorry to make it seem like to put it on such a level as like it was sex that did it but it really wasn't just that. It was everything and the interesting thing that's done at times is when he's made it more just about biological piece. Like one time he brought me this, I don't know if it's called lingerie, Laura. It was like all linked. It looked like armor. I don't know what it was. I can't even imagine he brought me to get in it. I was like, you can't. But it was like this linked up thing. I can't describe it, actually. I just picked it up and I was like, what is this? I don't know if I should use it in battle or in the best. <laughs> I just took it. Is this for protection or what's happening? It's going to get scary. I can't put this on. Did I, he have a battle I, axe? I, <laughs> I, no, I was going to be happening right now to me. And we had many talks go into a zone that I think is, I don't know. I think two people find their way through the things that keep everything exciting and fresh and enduring. And then there's also, I would never want it to be where I felt objectified in any way or right. that it wasn't openly or lead to that bonding experience that it really, I think, should be. Because I think of that in the highest order. Like, I think of that as, like I said, I put a sacred element around that. It is requires so much trust. And I also think having my injury, because we went through a time when it was a little gnarly. And so sex wasn't the same. And I was figuring it out. And I couldn't have an orgasm. And I was figuring it out. And for us to get through all that together, brought us even closer. And I had to, we had to communicate a lot. And he helped me through that a lot. Extremely patient about all of that. And then I realized he had a very creative side that I probably would have put the kibosh on if it weren't for the fact that I needed his creativity and his sort of like openness about all of that. So I could be comfortable to get past the things that were bothering me because I didn't feel the same sexually Mm. after I was injured. There was like another element to that, Laura, that I think really brought us past what maybe some couples have, or maybe they get there more when they're a little bit older and their bodies are changing more and they're changing hormonally and all of that. Right. But we had a big change early on. And so to, 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 we weren't going to say no to sex. We weren't going to say no to the intimacy in our life. We were going to figure out new ways around it. And I think then all of a sudden, that was a part of it all the time for us. Putting the armor piece aside that went back or I don't know where that went. Maybe to the garbage, maybe back to the... I don't know where he got that. Hopefully your girls but don't I have did it. Not, I will wear a lot of fun things. That was like one step beyond what I was like willing to wear. So it's a fun thing to laugh about now. And we both do laugh about it. I love the trust component there. The trust and vulnerability, vulnerability. and willingness to let it, to go to those more primal places and those more the world of eros energy and not to stigmatize it as like objectifying which clearly it can go there and there die there and that's all it is but to allow that to be a conduit to bring yourself to that intimacy i love that so much because i think in a kind of puritanical evolution of our society and culture there's this huge chasm that's been made where it's like either you're 
sexual and just primal and you don't care, or you have to be like just so tender and you don't want to go to those other places so you can really be in the heart and soul. But to use that energy as a portal to say, wow, we were vulnerable and you're still here and you're looking at me in the eyes and that was a fun and deep exploration. And now we're sitting in this cool little aftermath of silence with energy is flowing and you're still with me and holding me and I'm safe. I love that. That is Adam and I, you and I, we've talked about this and we touched on this one. And I think this winter I was really hooked on this is that there is an enormous difference between sex and making love. And that vulnerability, it does just having sex. We could go to anyone. I mean, we can go to anyone and just go have sex. I mean, that's what we did in our 20s. And I mean, I don't think either one of us really want to go and do that. I mean, that's not any longer for me, at least that's not fulfilling. But what is fulfilling is making love and figuring out a way when you've been with someone for a long time, figuring out a way to go to those depths, depths instead of just having it, oh, it's 11 o'clock and we haven't had sex this week. We need sex. Totally. Like I said, if it starts there and dies there, I think it's okay to do that if it's not all there is. But I think sometimes you can start with that energy because I think kind of like Annette, what you're saying, when whether it's male or female, when you're having an orgasm, it's something that takes over your being, right? You lose control in the sense that you're no longer this intellectual being. You're in this primal state and it opens a portal for connection. Right. And it's not like necessarily you have to already be there to go into it. It's really cool when it opens it up and then it can be followed by like, I'm still here for you. And it's really beautiful. So mm-hmm. I never like the idea that it has to be like, first, we must find the heart connection and then that can lead to physical. It should be dual directional. We're connecting maybe intimately on the soul level. And maybe I come into the kitchen in the morning and you're doing something you don't expect my help and I help you out. Oh, and Maybe that makes you feel intimate with me and that leads to sex later on that night. But by the same token, where the energy is just there physically and because of it, we go and have this opening and then that leads to this genuine kind of softening Mm -hmm. and this tenderness and it leads to the tenderness. I think when you're waiting for the tenderness to be there first, then you never have the sex that Mm -hmm. can sometimes be the conduit for the tenderness and you start losing the tenderness. Right. So what's the magic seed here, (laughs) Grizy? For me, it's more vague. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes down to relationships, and it's really a relationship with anything. And also, let me just interrupt. Majority of people, honestly, let's just be honest, because at least that's what I hear. Majority of people say, we don't have that much sex. I haven't had sex in three months. Mm -hmm. I haven't had sex since last September. I haven't had sex in two years. So what is the magic seed? Where can we find it? Well, that's where we're starting. The magic seed at that point, say a couple is is coming to us. I don't think enough people are talking about it. They don't want to talk about it. And then it just gets, it's like that snowball rolling down a hill. Mm -hmm. It just gets bigger and bigger. It gets harder and harder then to overcome it. And it's like inertia. Yes. Can I ask a question about that? Yes. Or when you say talk to someone has been weeks, maybe months. Yes. I guess my first question to that is why aren't they having sex? A lot of them, well, there are a couple of things. I think it all boils down to self-love. I think it always does. A person hasn't gone through the process of really loving themselves, which in turn doesn't allow you to be 
vulnerable with another partner. Well, but we could even break that down because let's look at something that wouldn't seem so obvious in that sense of self-love because you can kind of love yourself and be there kind of unconsciously, subconsciously, but then look at like having children. You love these children more than you love yourself. Yes. And you're like, it's my job to take care of these children and make sure they're ready. And so you stop actively self-loving, self-care. And so you just now are totally devoted. And now there's a narrative inside that says, I can't take care of myself because then that's being selfish. I need to give every second to the kids because otherwise, if something goes wrong, I'm going to look at myself and not be able to live with myself that I didn't give everything I could. And in that sense, part of self-love is to make sure you maintain that balance and do self-care. So when you're talking about why does sex leave the building, right? I think a lot of times it's because you've allowed an imbalance in the input-output of your life and you want to be able to give, 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 let's just say, or do, do, do. And then all of a sudden you're reliant on the external world to fill in your gaps. You have nothing else to give. But also these couples that have talked to me, and it's not couples, it's primarily women. But also when I dig deeper, they just Mm -hmm. have a lot of marital relationship, emotional problems that they need to get through, really. Right. So much passion, passive aggressive energy. You and Bill, Annette, I mean, you've gone through major, major (laughs) things in your life. For a lot of people, that would crush people. Right. I think the difference, the secret sauce for Annette and Bill is saying, hey, the things are just things, right? Mm -hmm. And they might be big in the moment, but they can be overcome and they can be transformed if there's an undercurrent of we're doing this together somehow. And I might be having to sacrifice at this point for you and you might have to do it for me later, but there's this inner commitment. It's like someone who's committed to God. It just has to be there on that deep level where you're willing to do that work that can overcome these things that Nut and Bill, and that you've overcome with Bill. (laughs) Sorry. And so in that sense, they have something that's deep down that helps them get through. I think most couples, they have lost that desire to want, like they're just resentful now. If you have a codependent relationship and everyone has that to varying degrees, Mm -hmm. right? And at the best case scenario, you've just intertwined your life so much that it's so entangled. It's hard to separate where I end and you begin type of thing. And am I leaning on you for X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. But I think when you enter into a relationship where you've kind of have that transactional dynamic where you do this for me, I do this for you, you end up putting pressure on someone and feeling pressured by someone and it takes away the desire to want to come towards them. Is that fair, Annette? I think that was said from literally, Adam, from start to where you just ended off. That was 100%. I think that transactional relationships lead you then, I think, maybe desire someone else. Because I think at the end of the day, we want that passion in our lives. And if we're just all of a sudden paying the bills with somebody, that part of us just becomes stagnant. And I think inevitably, we'll either sort of wilt away and be non-existent, and then a part of us sort of dies, or you'll find a way to express it somewhere else outside of the marriage. And that's really dangerous. I think one of the problems... Go ahead, Adam. No, I was going to just agree with you. When you are in a codependent, relationship where it's transactional and you're needing something from someone else, when you stop getting it from them, you naturally think of it as it's something you get from the outside and you're going to search elsewhere to get it. And then that leads to kind of a forced routine where people, I don't know, when I talk to people or I'm looking on the internet, people always talk about how many times do you have sex a week? Why does it always have to be a number? I mean, sex is supposed to be exciting. But you just said it's a way to connect on the heart level. So if you say, 
say how many times a week are you connecting? Are you getting tender? That would be something. Okay, and so what if you way use of sex? phrasing it, but just when it turns routine, when someone says, I need sex two times a week or I need to have sex, I'm not getting that. I think that really just really puts it in the grave. Well, let me say this. Annette, do you love talking to Bill? Yes. Totally, right? I mean, I feel like the first time we actually had a conversation face to face and we had a beer together at Four Farthings, I looked at him and felt like I would be talking to him for the rest of my life. That's how much I love talking. I feel the same way about Laura. I love talking to yes. you too. Really, that was our point of connection. <laughs> that was it, right? Always I did. love I it. Too, yes. So yes. let me ask you a question then, because I think this kind of poses it a different way. What if Bill was just talked out for whatever reason? Doesn't even matter, right? Say he was talking all day to clients and then he's all talked out and he stopped talking to you and then you missed your buddy, right? You missed the guy you talked to. And then he's like, I'm just sorry. I'm just so depleted. And you're like, hey, listen, wait, would it be fair to say, and Laura, like, if she was like, hey, can you just at least sit down with me twice a week to have coffee talk? I know you're not there, but like to do it all the time. And it would be cool if it was like what it used to be where you love talking to me all the time and we would have passionate conversations. I get it now. We're but not of, if you're not into it, no. But then again, you're saying this is what builds the foundation here of connection. So even if Bill doesn't have the desire to talk so much, but say he says, after we talk, I'm glad we talked because we connect and I'm really glad we did. I just never really have the energy to start it. And I'm glad we did it though. And so, yeah, I know if we don't go out of our way to do it in this little phase, it's not going to happen. And I don't want to lose this connection with you, Annette. So it, would it be okay then, Laura, in that situation? Would you say, hey, Annette, that might be a good idea to then have to talk twice a week? Or would you say, no, don't talk, let it die. Putting a number on it still take it ruin. I feel like if I can say something, because you guys said that this was going to be like the no hold barred conversation. And a lot of people, these conversations are hard. People don't want to be completely open and honest about them. But like when you're in that space of, I just can't right now. And you need this from me. I mean, in 28 years, there's definitely been, Bill and I have been in that space. And thankfully, they didn't last for long periods of time. And I think one of those times was after I was hurt, like sort of in that space after I was hurt. And I didn't know when I wanted to get back at it. I was like, well, it's going to take a while, I think. And he really still needed me in that way, in a physical way. And I didn't know how to like put those worlds together because I'm like, I'm not ready to do this. I have no interest in this right now. I literally am rejecting my own body at the moment. I just, I'm just not there. So I decided like, like how am I going to help Bill? I don't want him to feel alienated from me. He needs to know right now how much I love him too. Our life has just had a big change and life is always changing. Our needs don't always align perfectly. So that's when I decided like, okay, I am going to learn how to get really good at oral sex because I didn't really ever know what I was doing in that way. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have him like tell me everything that I could do to do this so great. And like, we'll have fun doing it. And we did that. That's what I did. And I feel like I'm a pro now. I just want to say that. But I feel like he helped me. So, and I'm like, is it going to bother you? Because we're not having, you know, it's not. He's like, no, no, no. I'm good with it. This is great. I'm excited about this. I'm like, what do you think about that? Like, teach me how to please you. Like, help me learn to do it really, really well. Because I want to know you and I want to be able to do this for you. And I'm not able to give of myself in a certain way right now. But I can still be giving to you. And he still, believe me, was he's quite happy. But I will also say, because we are close as husband and wife also, I mean, he definitely needed me to eventually want to fully engage him with intimacy and not just like me pleasing him. He still wanted that exchange. So I'm glad he's the kind of person who wasn't going to be like, I'll just take this for the rest of my life. That's all I need to do. It was instead, it was like, this is for now. This is a fun thing we can do together. We're like, you're teaching me something about you and I'm getting good at something I always felt like I never did right or I was not 
not really good at. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't really understand a man's body. <laughs> so I'm not a man. So I was always trying to learn from him ways that I could you know, give him pleasure because at the foundation of all of that is my very deep love for him and seeing him. That's what it for me. It all comes back to that. I could not perform sexually for anyone at any given time. I can always find a space to love Bill and express love to him. And if for him, that comes in a physical way, what he needs from me, I'm just more than happy to try to help in that way. Like, I feel like it helped him. Like, there's been times when he's just, it has been a little while, let's say, like, we really need this, like, relief. For him, it is the engagement. It is the intimacy. It is all of that. It's the marathon nights or whatever when we're up really late. But also sometimes he just has a physical relief that he needs. I don't understand that completely. I don't have that same need, I guess. But when he says that to me, like, this is what I need. Well, I mean, I love you. Right, you honor it in him. I have two questions. So can you think of a scenario where you absolutely and positively needed Bill and he showed up multiple times? But because I do, when I hear you talk, I do hear about you fulfilling Bill's needs and desires. But does he do the same for you or are you just so devoted in a way to loving him? Because you love big Annette. I mean, I remember you having a discussion with me and asking me, is love enough? with the girls, raising the girls, just your relationship with Bill. And actually, Mm -hmm. I repeat that statement in my head literally every day of my life is love enough. Because when times get tough, I do wonder if that will someday, you know, see us through the hard times when family does kind of go different ways. Will love bring Mm -hmm. us back ultimately? So thank you for that, because I do, I really legitimately do repeat that in my head every day. But I guess my first question is, are there times or have there been times where multiple times where Bill is doing the same, where you are, because you could just be a person who is really, really good at giving and then having a very tough time with receiving. And for multiple reasons, you don't feel like you deserve it. And by the way, with an injury, an injury, a spinal cord injury, does give us that. It makes us feel like it kills the self-love. It just does because we look different. We feel different. And maybe we're not able to fill the needs for people or we don't, I don't know how to word it in a way. I see what you're saying. You automatically then like you're coming from a place of feeling like you're diminished yes. in society. But in my marriage, I can honestly say I haven't felt that way. And I think that Bill is above and beyond. I mean, for example, I mean, I think you guys both know this about me very well. And I still have had to work on it my entire life, but I have really bad panic attacks and panic disorder. I mean, it's something I actively work on daily. Like some people have work on other things daily. I have to work on that. Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine a partner, a husband, more patient than Bill's done with me. He will still now. And because my hormones are all over the place, it's sort of, they've been exacerbated, the panic attacks a little bit. Wake up with me. Literally, I'll be like, I wake up, Bill, my heart's racing. He's all of a sudden, he's up. He's at attention. He's listening. He's like, what can I do? And this is a routine. What can I do? He literally gets up, walking around with me. Can I get you some ice? Can I get you some water? Can I get you some of this? And then all of a sudden, we'll breathe together. And then we sort of like, it takes a little while for the thing to sort of side. And then he'll just sit up. And then all of a sudden, we're both up and we're both talking. I mean, he will still, however many times that's happened, and I can't only think of maybe worth the, I don't know if I would say hundreds, but we're into the 20s at this point that he doesn't get like, oh, Nat, please don't wake me up. That routine, I know you're okay, you're having a panic attack, leave me out of it. It's like, no, I'm here for you because right now, talk to me is going to help the panic subside 
ride more easily. And the same thing happens like if I'm driving the car and the panic arises, like it's just he's on, he's game on, I'm here, where are you? There's just been so many situations that been able to be that comforter for me and that person that I can rely on the most. And in every single issue, whether it's on the school board or with one of the girls, that sound advice, partner, I'm the most important thing to him. No way, Gracie. You guys have mastered the art of giving and receiving. Give and take. Right? That's the magic seed. That's Uh what I'm saying. It's about the, are you committed to like going both ways with it when you show up for someone? It's not like I've heard a lot over the last 10 months, you're putting your shit on me, guys, or you're coming in with expectations. I feel your energy. You want this. It's like, I'm allowed to want that. I'm not putting it on you. Like I show up for you. It has to be a give and take. And if you felt like I wasn't showing up for you, felt Bill wasn't showing up for him and for anyone out there, if you feel your partner isn't showing up for you, it's natural to not want to continue to give. Right. right. It's not reciprocal and it doesn't have to be transactional, but it's just not reciprocal. Resentment happens. It's that person's responsibility to speak up for themselves and say, hey, I need you for this. And then you give the person the chance to show up for you. In that sense, you know, Laura, when you asked Annette the question, it's on Annette if she felt she wasn't. Annette feels she is. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Bill totally shows up for her. But even if she didn't, that would be on Annette. So that's cool that she's showing up for Bill. If it wasn't being reciprocated, Annette would have to advocate. I'm not being martyred here. And I right. wouldn't let myself be martyred in my relationship with Bill. It definitely has to be. And it is definitely fully reciprocal. I feel like sometimes, honestly, he does so much. One of these, he's compromised. I mean, he's done so much. I mean, I can't even really fully express it. That'd be like a whole nother conversation. But I feel completely like love. And it's not necessarily that he's great. Like, I mean, he's great with a beautiful card. To do that for me is not like to take me to Copenhagen. And by the way, I want to go to Copenhagen. But <laughs> it's just not what he can necessarily necessarily give to me maybe in the years past where he could have done that but it's the two of us looking out together as a family I guess over time now Lori we've got those things pretty set although like I always say everything is always constantly in flux he doesn't have to stay here I don't take that for granted I don't have to he doesn't think that I need to I have to stay here I feel completely bound by that marital commitment that I made because of my faith yes because I wanted to do it though I took those vows I took those vows willingly with the most love and the most hopeful our future. And we have had a lot of problems. A lot of times I think about the bride, who I was that day, who I am today. And I can't believe the journey that we've taken together, but I would never change in a million years that partner, meaning the partner that I have in him. That's beautiful. beautiful. I I think we Mm -hmm. should end it right there. I love that because it gets so knotted and messy when we're talking about marriage and sex. And Annette, you really distilled it for me, at least of to bring it back to the base level here. It's about growing together and that give and receive and just being in it together above all else. That's what I'm taking away from the magic seed. You got to come back there before you're trying to figure out how many days a week in this, like make sure you're trying to work together mm-hmm. and then you figure it out. So we can, I, we could speak to you forever. And, <laughs> and, and, and we do, we do when we talk to you, we, we do, do speak to you forever. We would love for you if you would be willing to come back on a later date to talk about raising teenage daughters because that's what we're heading into teenagers let's just go teenagers teenagers but she has five girls i know but that's like the worst case scenario (laughs) (laughs) heading into teenage years well we'll talk about that we'll have someone on too that's dealing with it on the boy side of it too but um, if not if you would do that that would be excellent thank you so much for being so open and honest it's so refreshing and people do not talk about this and for you to do so so easily and openly it's really appreciated so thank you for being on today. 
Thank you, Annette. And You're I love you. Thank you so much for having me. Love you guys too. Love well, you both. Okay. Love you. Talk Bye. To you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. So that is it for this week. Hope you okay. enjoyed this conversation. Until next week, nothing but love.